0: summer, and what a blessing to come to uh, this part of the service where we rejoice in the Lord. Thank you for all your songs, but we think about God's Word. God has really uh, giving us His Word as a great gift to keep us in a joyful mood. The more that we read and study God's Word, the more we can cultivate joy in our life. I challenge you to deal with that this coming year a way that we've never before maybe looked at that. Maybe not just from a Bible study but from the concept of increasing our joy. I believe that God is very, very serious about us being joyful Christians. Um, He tells us, not only tells us, commands us to rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Just like Thanksgiving, rejoicing is to be done in all circumstances and situations. And that means that government or COVID or cancer or death or life problems cannot uh, hide that joy that God has given us. God is greater than all of our problems. His blood is greater than all of our sins and we can rejoice in that. I wanted to continue today, in fact, uh, not only continue, try to close out a series, I tried to start three or four weeks ago regarding joy joy and uh, as you know we dealt with looking at the strength of joy and how joy strengthens us and it does God is amazingly gracious he gives us strength and our joy and when we don't have joy we just seem to be so discouraged so easy um, and then you know the source the source of joy is the Lord Jesus Christ and it's good to know as we celebrate his birth at what we call Christmas that's why the joy was heralded by the angels in that first proclamation of His birth. He is the source of joy. Jesus is not something that's yet to happen. He, he has happened already. And as Drew mentioned from the lighting of the Christ candle, that He ever lives to make intercession for us. Right now, He is alive. And so, He's not a, a halfway Savior. He will take us all the way to Heaven. He didn't start something He won't complete. Uh, but he's the source of joy. And last week we talked about the sacrifice of joy. Um, and I pray that was that was honorable to God. More than all, that's what we want to do it. Because the sacrifice that he did is what brings much joy to us. And then today I want to talk about the satisfaction of joy. The satisfaction. So you can turn with me. I, I still want to use the Gospel of Luke. And I'll go to the 16th psalm in just a second maybe to look at the correlation that I feel like is in those two passages of scripture but in Luke chapter 2 which is a part of the Christmas story as you know we find the shepherds abiding in the country and it says there in verse 8 of Luke chapter 2 and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field keeping watch over their flock by night I wanted to try to deal with the satisfaction of joy in this way. I've got four points I want to make, but before I go there, I want us to be reminded how important satisfaction really is. I want to ask you, are you satisfied with Jesus? Uh, I want to ask you too, is Jesus satisfied with you? See, the thing about it is we don't look at that enough. We're living in a world that constantly tells us that we're not satisfied, but you know the work has been done. I want to make sure we understand that nothing else is going to be done by Jesus that He didn't already done as far as our salvation. There's nothing; it is finished. He can't do any more. And for us to be not satisfied with what God has done for us is is really a, a slur or a slap almost. In, it's almost like spitting in, in God's face. When you're not satisfied and you're not content, then what you're really doing is questioning the goodness of God. Now are you? I wonder. I wonder if I am. The satisfaction of joy, though, is the, the, the fact that we can see that, that because of all of life, it's not it's not about circumstances, it's about it's about a fulfillment that we have in our hearts that that God is, is going to do what he said he was going to do and that we are going to be okay, that God is going to protect us, he's going to provide for us. Hey, it should be the greatest privilege in the world for us to recognize God. Because when you really recognize God for who he is, you're going to see that that you are satisfied with God in his sovereignty, in his mercy, in his justice, in his holiness. But, but not only is it a privilege... To see God, to realize He is God. It is our duty. It is our duty to be content with God. To be satisfied with our life. I think too many times we worry about the future and we miss being joyful today. You know? We we, we think, well, you know, I don't know how this is all going to work out. I don't know how my life is going to be as I get older and what I'm going to have to deal with. Uh, you know we can miss that. We can miss the great blessings of living today when when we don't live with a satisfied joy. A satisfied joy. And, and so when you look at these shepherds in the field, they were keeping their flocks by night. But there was something about these guys that that, that made them worthy, so to speak, not because of their righteousness, because of their maybe their but they were—they had something about them. They had something goal-wise in their life, maybe, as shepherds. And maybe it's because they looked up so much, I don't know, when the stars and the signs and the weather. But, but the first thing I want to say about this, and this is the satisfaction of joy, because this is so important. Because if you don't have satisfaction, you will not have joy. A joyous life will be an unsatisfied life every time. So the first thing I want to say is as we look at the four points I want to try to bring before you from God's Word is this. You know, when we look at I want to have a satisfied joy. Now, we all do. I mean, what good is life without joy? I mean, what good is anything without joy? And what good is, what good is joy without God? <laughs> they all go together. And, and so it really boils down to how satisfied are we with God? And what God has done for us that he sent us his Savior, or our Savior, his Son. And we need to rejoice in that. We need to let God know, because God knows what's in our heart. One of the things that God uh, was so upset about, and so grieved about, and so dealt with his chastening hand about with his people Israel, because they constantly complained. They have constantly reason to say, well, I don't know. I really, I don't know if this is going to work out. Why, 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 why have we got to go here in all these jobs Why have we got to go across this river? Why, why can't, why, why have we got to be thirsty? Now, why, why, God, is this going to be happening? What well, we need to be saying is, well, God, what, what can I do to, to show you that I love you, that, that fill me with your joy, and then I will be satisfied. Because I'm going to tell you, through Christ, God is satisfied with you. He is. He is. And What a blessing that is. You know, being dissatisfied, though, was probably the first temptation that was brought to man in the Garden of Eden. Isn't that amazing? Adam and Eve, you remember, they had everything that they needed and more, just like we do. And yet, God says, do not mess with that tree, knowledge of good and evil. That's the very one that went to. Why? Because Satan went to Eve and talked her out of the goodness of God. <laughs> and what happened? Well, you know the rest of the story. So it's still there. And so we still need to be knowing that we have a we have an enemy that wants to get our our satisfaction out of our life, and that's the devil. But we have the God's joy that we need to be embracing, not the devil's. So how do we then, how do we pursue the satisfaction of joy? Number one is, Set out to satisfy God. Because I'm going to tell you, if you set out to satisfy God, you end up satisfying yourself. You hear me? You set out to satisfy God. You can't please yourself anyway. I can't either. I can't even please myself. But I'm going to tell you, when you really want to satisfy God, you're going to satisfy yourself. Because obedience. I mean, what a blessing it is to satisfy God. These shepherds were were just being shepherds, okay? They were vigilant in their work and in all they did. But but we need to have an attitude and a mindset. What I'm going to do with my life is I'm going to satisfy God. And when you satisfy God, what happens is everything you do has God in mind. So your business, if it's it's in business, for example, your business, your number one goal is not to make money or profit or to get a raise or to increase your status. Your number one goal is to satisfy God. How can God be made to look good in that business? Because what happens if you try to satisfy the work or if you try to satisfy what you do without trying to satisfy God, you will not be satisfied with whatever you do. Does that make sense? That's exactly the way it is. I mean, that's what happens when we've got to set out to satisfy God. And we need to be serious about satisfying God and not trying to satisfy everybody else or satisfy ourselves. It's amazing how easy it is when we say, by God, we," you know, we complain about, "Well, I don't have such, I don't have that much, I, I have so little." Look at so and so. You know, when I thought about that, I thought about it in my own heart how inclined I am to do that sometimes. But I, I remember, was reminded from God that in Matthew 25, He gave some talents to different people. You know, we need to be satisfied that we don't have it. Everybody's not equal. As much as the world likes to cry that, you know, and, and psychology and, and sociology and philosophy and all that, I'd say that. that's not the way God made it. It's not, and we'll never be satisfied. It's never going to be that way because God didn't make it that way. But what happened with the lesson of talents, remember he gave some five, one five, one four, or, and one one? And those that had five, you know, he, he uh, made five more, and God said, thank you. And so much, in, in his words, he says, enter into the joy of my kingdom. And then one did the four, he did the same thing. He took what he had and he made most out of it. That, that shows you you're satisfied. If you're just going to pout and we're just going to be hammering around and we're just going to be moping around, then what we're saying is, I'm really not satisfied, God, with my life. You know what he said to that one, don't you? That one said just that way. You know, he had a little Randy in him. Probably, he said, "Well, I'm just not going. to, I can't do this. You know, I'm nothing. So I'm going to get to put this. I'm just going to bury it." What did Jesus do? He took it away from him. I mean, the others. He said, "Enter into the joy." You see, you get what you do because they set out to please God, to satisfy God. It's the same principle when Jesus teaches on the front sermon on the mount, seeking first the kingdom of God and all His righteousness and his righteousness, rather, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's satisfaction. I mean, you set out to please God. And I promise you, there's never been a person that set out seriously to satisfy God that has not ended up being satisfied themselves. Now, that's what God does. That's the amazing part of God's grace. You know, when I think about obedience... Well, what a joy it is to obey God. You you felt this, and how inclined we are, though, to, to stray off from that path of God's righteousness. But but when we satisfied, it, it's a it's a joy that we have that we probably can't can't describe, <laughs> but it, but it's there. And what a blessing! You know what you know what it is. It's uh it's uh, Satisfied joy is a complete joy, okay? So what it has to be is like this. If you're going to be satisfied, now you think with me. You're going to have your desires and your emotions and your conscience and your will. All of that has to meet together. You can't go splitting them up. You, won't not, you will not have satisfied joy when you do. See, you can get out and you say, well, here, I've got this desire. So you, you find a way to get that desire met, but you find that it's not satisfying God. You know what you're going to have? You're going to have a joyous life. I told you the story years ago. I, I did a, a marital premarital counseling for a young couple that were not in the church, but they asked me to do it so I said I will meet with you and I did and and in my meeting uh, I asked them right up front uh, were they living together and uh, you know that's kind of the common style of the, of the world today and they said uh, yes and all our friends are too and so I, I proceeded because I knew they were not going to be satisfied <laughs> joy See, see, the thing is about God, this is the way he does it. He is the only one that can satisfy you. And a child of God, God has put something on your heart that only he can satisfy. So that what he does with that is he gives you himself. So that you then are satisfied, okay? So that the world won't satisfy and you be glad of that. You rejoice in that because everything that's all right for the world is not all right for you. It's not. So I remember, I remember in that little session. I remember the, the and I, I just tried to tell them what God said, you know. And I, I wasn't trying to Bible thump them or, or or make them feel bad necessarily, unless God wanted to. What I wanted to do is as I wanted them to have joy. I wanted them to start their marriage out right, okay, and the way God says. Do it. And so I asked them, and our told them what God said about that relationship and I remember the the, the, the lady, the young lady said well, well tell me preacher what's going to make it better when we're married than it is now I did not hesitate I said you won't have the guilt you won't have the guilt and she said oh I didn't realize that and you know that, that, that not only applies to that relationship but anything we do in life Whatever you do, yeah, you can satisfy that desire. I mean, that's what the world wants to do. Whatever you want, God, you know, the world will give it to you. But I'm going to tell you, if you can't put your emotions, your desires, your need, your your um, will and all that together in one, it's not going to be a satisfied joy. And that's what God has called us to do. And it's a, it's a matter of us making up our heart's mind through the grace of God. God, I want to satisfy you. Turn with me to Psalms 119, and let's look at some verses there that, that shows us the seriousness of satisfying God. Set out to satisfy God. You just can't use this as an add-on. It has to be a prayer that we pray, and this is what this is. Psalms 119, verse Thirty-five or so. I wanted to read several verses from that part of Scripture. Verse 33, Psalm 119. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I will keep it unto the end. Teach me, God, to satisfy you. That's what this word, a book, is about, satisfying God. That's why when we get into this book, and we meditate it, and we read it, we're going to satisfy Our souls. It is the word of God, the bread of life. And then he says in verse 34, Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law, yea, and I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies, and not to covetousness. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. Establish thy word unto thy servant who is devoted to thy fear. Turn away my reproach which I fear, for thy judgments are good. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. Notice how the psalmist says, Lord, it's a prayer is what it is. Turn my, my desire to you. Make me, God, satisfy you. See, the deal is with God is this. God, his redeeming grace, has liberated us from, from the horrific bondage of sin. But his love, just as graciously, has enslaved us to be only satisfied in him. I want to make sure we understand that because I think some of us miss being joyful because we're not uh, doing it in a satisfied, joyful way, Okay? And that doesn't mean because what happens, see, there's a lot of things in this world that, that begs for our interest. Most of us have a lot of other sidelines, a lot of things that we really enjoy doing, pleasures in life and things, and they're not necessarily all bad. But what pulled pull us off of really thinking about God and satisfying Him in all of it. Because the thing Not not forever. But God is, okay? God's going to be here forever. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Your friends may. Your health may. Your pleasures are going to change. Your desires will ebb and flow, but not God. He will satisfy us. And when we have God and we want to satisfy Him, then it will be enough. God is enough. I promise you, he is enough. And so as we see that it's a blessing to understand that and bless God in it. And so it says that. I wanted to relate a, a psalm I said, you where you're there in the Psalms, if you're still there, look at the sixteenth division of the Psalm. Maybe it's maybe it's just me trying to force this a little bit, but I see I see in verses eight through eleven of Psalm sixteen a similarity. Or a correlation that I saw in Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 11. Listen to these verses from Psalm 16, division. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. The presence of the God. I shall not be moved. Now, now that's that. the shepherds could have sung that song. I mean, the Lord was set ever before them. Just in their vocation, I, I presume the wild animals and the forces of nature they had to deal with and the grass and moving the flocks. And then in verse 9, Therefore my heart is glad and my joy, glory, rejoices. My flesh also shall rest in hope. Well, that's none other than likened to the, the very uh, message the angelic uh, uh, folks brought to these shepherds. To all that heard there, the, the good tidings of great joy. Or thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Do you see Jesus in this? This is Jesus, and this is us, that we would have joy even amidst the, the overshadowing of death itself. Jesus was going to the cross, and that's the only satisfied joy that God would have him know, and that's why the cross is what brings us joy satisfied joy. The cross for sinners like us, unworthy as we are, can see the joy and feel that joy and embrace that joy because God has dealt with all of our sins and we have life eternal. And verse 11, thou wilt show me the path of life and thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So God is showing us the path of life. And that path of life is, God, I want to satisfy you. So let's set out to satis- satisfy God. If we want to have a satisfied joy in ourselves. And so we see that from the context of, of, our, of God's provisions, all our needs. We believe God is going to satisfy of, uh, of our position. That God has placed us in the position we are in life. Uh, because he's sovereign and because of his providence. And we know that his grace is going to be sufficient for all of that. So we, we start out to satisfy God. Now secondly, I wanted to say this. When we think about what we're trying to do is think about how can I have satisfied joy? Because I know we all want it. That's what life is about. It's about having a satisfied joy. And to the extent we miss that each day we live, it's a wasted day. I really believe that. So the first thing we say is, I'm going to start out to satisfy God. I'm going to obey. I'm going to pray to him. And then secondly, do not separate joy and the glory of God. Don't try to separate joy and the glory of God. You know why? Because God will not allow anything in your life, listen to me, will not allow anything in your life that's going to satisfy you that will separate you from him. You got it? He won't. Now we got all kind of our our fallen nature desires we try to satisfy. But you can be sure that God's not going to allow that. You're not going to be satisfied with that. You need to thank God for that in your life. So don't, don't, don't try to separate joy and glory. Because what happens with satisfied joy, it turns into praise. That's what it is. You praise God. You know, like you say, well, you might say you like that car. I I like that car. So you make compliments about it. Or or that dog, or that house, or that ball team, or whatever. But it has to be expressed for fulfillment. So that is what satisfied joy is about. It's about expressing that you are satisfied with God. And what happens, it it bursts into praise. Praise. And we need to thank God for that. We need to praise God for that more. It's, see, see, it's glorify God is, is responding to the Lord Jesus Christ. This Christmas celebration is about responding to the Lord Jesus. That's what the, angelic, uh, the angel announced. Glory to God in the highest good tidings of great joy. This is greater than any joy that the earth will have. What a what a blessing to see this. Now, that involves understanding there's some situations in this life that just take seemingly all the joy out of our hearts. See, we're living in a sin-cursed world. We're living in a, in a world that even groans to be satisfied. And so when we get to those places, we're going to have to really understand what Jesus means when he says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. But understanding when we have a satisfied joy, it makes all the difference in the world of how you respond to the circumstances that even may be adverse in your life. Look at, for example, this is maybe the extreme, but it's certainly true in The first chapter, Philippians. Look at Apostle Paul's response. What he says to us regarding God and his satisfied joy. You know, this very apostle, he's writing this from prison. But he said, his clear was that I might finish my course with joy. Now, how do you want to end up your life? You want to end your life just cranky and complaining? Or you want to end up with joy? Well, I'm going to tell you, God has given you joy. Because he's given you Jesus. All right, but here's the deal. You've got to understand, you can't separate that joy and the glory of God. You can't love something or somebody more than you love God. Because if you do, then there's a likelihood Even it'll be settled for sure that you're gonna not have a satisfied joy, okay? Here's what Paul says in verse 20 of chapter one. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, as now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Now, that's what's going to satisfy Paul. And that's what's going to satisfy us, whether it's by life or death. And then he says in verse 21, and this is why, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now, my friends, that is satisfied joy. That is satisfied joy. Now, there's a joy, you know, that's just kind of shallow. But but that's not the joy that is satisfied joy. So here it is. You add up all the things that death will cost you. Okay? What will it cost you? It'll cost you your loved ones. It'll cost you your work. It'll cost you your dreams. It'll cost you your friends. Now death will take all that away. It will Now, Paul says, death is gain. So you put up in a column all those things that death takes away, okay? I ain't gonna get gain out of that. The gain out of that is understanding that Jesus Christ, the praise of his glory, is far better than any of all those. It is, and so I believe there's a lot of Christians that soul get so tied to the world and, and, to, and the loved ones and, and nothing I mean the heart breaks it grieves we need to love our love but understand that death is gain those loved ones that you love and don't want to let go are with God okay they're in that place with God and what God has called us to do is to be joyful because we're satisfied that God is getting the glory And that's that's how we, we end that up and we say, well, that's gain in it. That's what Paul says. And that is a satisfied joy in that way. So what it means is, no matter what life gives or takes, Jesus outweighs them all. He is our treasure. And we love him, and we thankful, and we cry, Abba Father. And when you cry, Abba Father, we understand we can't be joyous or joyless when you cry, Abba Father. There's no room for pride and satisfied joy, they don't mix. Okay? So, first, set out to satisfy God. You'll be satisfied, you'll have satisfied joy. Secondly, do not try to separate joy and glory. You won't be satisfied. You won't. There'll always be something wrong. Wrong. Something. Thirdly, seek joy that is more than skin deep. You know, the earth has a joy. Well, let me say it like this. There's a difference between laughing between your teeth. That's the worldly joy. And a heartfelt joy. I mean the fullness of joy, a satisfied joy. See, it's 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 more than skin deep. Health of a believer. Your spiritual life can be assessed, a litmus test, so to speak. of Your spiritual health is your satisfied joy. How satisfied are you with your life, with God, with your position, with your possessions? With the providence of God in your life. How satisfied are you with it? Because it's from God, okay? And doesn't mean that you don't try to better your life. I mean, 1 Corinthians 7 is a very clear one. You know, Paul says if you're a slave, they had slavery then, then you'd be happy. But if you have an opportunity to be free, you do it. If God gives you an opportunity to battle yourself, then I believe that the Scripture teaches that we do that. But we have to do it with an embracing point of satisfying God, of making sure we don't separate joy and the glory of God. And then now we think about seeking joy that is more than skin deep because that's the kind of joy that holds marriages together. It is. It's the kind of joy that holds churches together—a satisfied joy, understanding that we have issues, but joy is dynamic. Remember John the Baptist in Mary, in Elizabeth's womb, leaped for joy in Luke 1:44. Leaped for joy when Mary, the mother of Jesus, came to tell her she was with child. Leaped with joy. Why? Because that's the dynamic power of the Lord it's a response to his glory and what a blessing that we see that it's fellowship so we seek a joy that is more than skin deep over in Jeremiah there's one verse I want to share with you because here's what's happened sometimes in, in our lives at Jeremiah the second chapter I think it's verse 13 just listen to me if you want to turn there here's what it says Verse 13 of Jeremiah chapter 2. For my people have committed two evils. Here God lays them out. What are these? They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. That's the first one. Secondly, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. See, God is the only one that exalts himself. Some people have a problem with that in the the non-Christian world. But we know as believers that he's the only one that can do that because by exalting himself, he is showing that he's the only one that can satisfy us. And that's how we need to be focused. That's what we, that's what we need to be telling other people about. So here in Jeremiah, what's happened is people have said, you know, they forsaken that fountain of living waters. You know why people, and I did a study a while back somewhere years ago, a hundred years ago, people were much, much happier than they are now. You know why? They depended on God. They depended on God for they, they just from their gardens or their field. They were dependent on God. They trusted God. That is a way we set up satisfy God. When you satisfy God, you have faith. You trust Him. You believe Him. You're willing to give your life for Him. Put your life in His hands. I'm going to tell you, friends, that will comfort and give you joy, satisfy joy. It will give new meaning to life. It really will. And what a blessing. You know, there's a depth when you think about the manger and what the poverty of it there that, that was exposed for the birth of our Lord. And then from there to the cross. See, that's depth. That That's not frivolous. That's more than skin deep. See, when God has caused you and me to go through some times in life, you know what's going to strengthen your marriage, what's going to strengthen your church relationship, your relationship with God? I'm going to tell you, when you go through trials, when you go through poverty, when you go through a reckoning in your life, see, that's going to make a difference. That's going to find us, what happens is we see that God is the one that satisfies us. And sometimes we're just so hard-headed. I know for sure I am to understand that. Because you know what? When, we, when it takes everything to satisfy us, when we get everything, we're not going to be satisfied. <laughs> we're not. Are you high maintenance? I wonder. You're to ask you. not know, high maintenance? You know, I got to have a lot. <laughs> I mean, that's what the world wants you to be. I'm going to tell you a satisfied joy. I said, God, I, I'm so thankful you saved me by your grace. Lord, whatever position you give me, I want to I deal with it with a satisfied joy. Because it is a it is a great witness. It really is. And then lastly, let's say this, savor what you have. If you want to have satisfied joy, savor what you have. A couple, three weeks ago, my neighbor, one of my neighbors come over, and I was out there around the barn or garden, piddling, you know, I do a lot of that for some reason. And he said, he just drove up, he said, kinda of just making a conversation. He says, well, have you got it like you want it? And I said, uh, well, no. He said, well, never, we never do, do we? But you know, I've been thinking about that, and it fits what I wanna to try to tell you today. Because I think I can say, and I want you to be able to say. You know, if, if we were asked, have you got it like you want it? You turn that around, and you say, no. But i want it like i got it you know what i'm saying do you want it like you got it why because it comes from god see i might not ever get it like i want it but i want it like i got it problems and all weaknesses and all failures and all why because that is a satisfied joy See, this side of heaven, we're not going to have everything just hunky-dory, just going to fall in place. If it did, you'd never appreciate it. You never would. But we have a satisfied joy that God is never going to leave us nor, nor, nor forsake us. And you know, I think it means that we to see that. When we can say, I want it like I have it. And really mean it. And We have satisfied joy because when you do that, you're saying first of all that it's better than I deserve. Because you know what, I deserve hell, <laughs> and that's what you deserve. It's hard for me to say, good a folks as y'all are. But apart from Jesus, that's what we deserve. You you can you can uh, want it like you have it because it's a lot better than you deserve. Secondly, you can want it like you have it because you can can very well bank on this as a promise that God is going to enable you. He is going to give you strength. His grace is sufficient. And you know that the solution to all of our joy is really the grace of God. See, God says not only are we saved by grace, He says in Ephesians 2, we're created unto good works. So to be created unto good works as God has called us to live satisfied joyously in whatever God's called us to do. You know, that's why Paul says in Romans fourteen eight. he says, if we live, we are the Lord's. If we die, we are the Lord's. If we live therefore or if we die, we are the Lord's. Now see, that satisfied joy. May the Lord bless us to have satisfied joy. It's the satisfaction that the world cannot give us. It's the satisfaction that all the world is looking for. Money can't buy. You know what? A true, genuine child of God doesn't want to be rich. Why? Because you have all the riches. You have the riches of the life in the Lord Jesus Christ. You won't get any richer. What a blessing that in Christ we are complete. And when we focus on God and we set out to satisfying and we, we, we understand that we can't separate joy and God's glory, it won't last. God loves us too much to let us have joy in something that's not going to be glorious, bring Him glory. He's not going to do it. And so He's big enough to take care of it too, to make sure we don't. You know, that joy is deeper than just the outside. But savor what you have to come from God might not be like you want it. But you can sure want it just like you got it. May the Lord bless you. Would you bow with me? We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the love and the joy of the cross and what it brought to us. It satisfied forever our sin debt. You said that, Lord, in the prophecy in Isaiah 5311. That your only Son would satisfy your justice and a ransom for many. We pray, O Lord, that you'd forgive us for our discontent. We really, Lord, haven't considered our lot in life. And how much more you love us. And we embrace that when we don't get everything just like we want. We pray, O oh Lord, that you'd give us a heart that would tune our desires to want whatever you want. That your values would be our values. And we know, Lord, that the deal lives not to make us inhibited in any way. Not to keep us back and hold us back. But to really, in your wisdom, God, you have made it so that we can have the freedom of satisfied joy. What a blessing. Help us, O Lord, incline our hearts to you. Thank you, Lord, for this day, for this season. May it, Lord, give us strength, power, devotion, commitment to you that we, Lord, would show forth the joy of the Lord all our days on earth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. Chris.